Book Two, Chapter Three of The World's Desire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marcel D. Ward, TheSoulExpands.com. The World's Desire by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter Three. The Baths of Bronze. Even out of this night of dread, the morning rose, and with it came Ray, bearing a message from the king. But he did not find the wanderer in his chamber. The palace eunuchs said that he had risen and had asked for Kuri, the captain of the Sidonians, who was now the queen's jeweler. Thither Ray went, for Kuri was lodged with the servants in a court of the royal house, and as the old man came, he heard the sound of hammers beating on metal. There in the shadow, which the palace wall cast into a little court, there was the wanderer, no longer in his golden mail, but with bare arms and dressed in such a light smock as the workmen of Kim were wont to wear. The wanderer was bending over a small brazier, whence a flame and a light blue smoke arose and melted into the morning light. In his hand he held a small hammer, and he had a little anvil by him, on which lay one of the golden shoulder plates of his armor. The other pieces were heaped beside the brazier. Curry, the Sidonian, stood beside him with graving tools in his hands. Hail to thee, Eperitus, cried Ray, calling him by the name he had chosen to give himself. What makest thou here with fire and anvil? I am but furbishing up my armor, said the wanderer, smiling. It has more than one dent from the fight in the hall. And he pointed to his shield, which was deeply scarred across the blazon of the white bull, the cognizance of dead Paris, Priam's son. Sidonian, blow up the fire. Curry crouched on his hams and blew the blaze to a white heat with a pair of leathern bellows, while the wanderer fitted the plates and hammered at them on the anvil, making the jointures smooth and strong, talking meanwhile with Ray. Strange work for a prince, as thou must be in Alibus, whence thou comest quoth Ray, leaning on his long rod of cedar, headed with an apple of bluestone. In our country, chiefs do not labor with their hands. Different lands, different ways, answered Eperitus. In my country, men wed not their sisters as your kings do, though, indeed, it comes into my mind that once I met such brides in my wanderings in the Isle of the King of the Winds. For the thought of the Aeolian Isle, where King Aeolus gave him all the winds in a bag, came into his memory. My hands can serve me in every deed, he went on, mowing the deep green grass in spring, or driving oxen, or cutting a clean furrow with a plow in heavy soil, or building houses and ships, or doing smith's work with gold and bronze and gray iron. 
they are all one to me. Or the work of war, said Ray, for there I have seen thee labor. Now listen, thou wanderer, the king Menepti and the queen Meriamun send me to thee with this scroll of their will. And he drew forth a roll of papyrus, bound with golden threads, and held it on his forehead, bowing, as if he prayed. What is that roll of thine? said the wanderer, who was hammering at the bronze spear point that stood fast in his helm. Ray undid the golden threads and opened the scroll, which he gave into the wanderer's hand. Gods, what have we here? said the wanderer. Here are pictures, tiny and cunningly drawn, serpents in red and little figures of men sitting or standing, axes and snakes and birds and beetles. My father, what tokens are these? And he gave the scroll back to Ray. The king has made his chief scribe write to thee, naming thee captain of the legion of Pasht. The guard of the royal house, for last night, the captain was slain. He gives thee a high title, and he promises thee houses, lands, and a city of the south to furnish thee with wine, and a city of the north to furnish thee with corn, if thou wilt be his servant. Never have I served any man, said the wanderer, flushing red, though I went near to being sold and to knowing the day of slavery. The king does me too much honor. Thou wouldst fain be gone from Kim? asked the old man eagerly. I would fain find her I came to seek, wherever she may be, said the wanderer, here or otherwhere. Then what answer shall I carry to the king? Time brings thought, said the wanderer. I will see the city if thou wilt guide me. Many cities have I seen, but none so great as this. As we walk, I will consider my answer to your king. He had been working at his helm as he spoke, for the rest of his armor was now mended. He had drawn out the sharp spearhead of bronze and was balancing it in his hand and trying its edge. A good blade, he said. Better was never hammered. I went near to doing its work, Sidonian, and he turned to Curry as he spoke. Two things of thine I had, thy life and thy spear point. Thy life I gave thee, thy spear point thou didst lend me. Here, take it again. And he tossed the spearhead to the queen's jeweler. I thank thee, Lord, answered the Sidonian, thrusting it in his girdle. But he muttered between his teeth, The gifts of enemies are gifts of evil. The wanderer did on his mail, set the helmet on his head, and spoke to Ray. Come forth, friend, and show me thy city. But Ray was watching the smile on the face of the Sidonian, and he deemed it cruel and crafty and warlike, like the laugh of the Sardana of the sea. He said naught, but called a guard of soldiers, and with the wanderer he passed the palace gates and went out into the city. 
The sight was strange, and it was not thus that the old man who loved his land would have had the wanderers see it. From all the wealthy houses, and from many of the poorer sort, rang the wail of the women mourners as they sang their dirges for the dead. But in the meaner quarters, many a hovel was marked with three smears of blood, dashed on each pillar of the door and on the lintel. And the sound that came from these dwellings was a cry of mirth and festival. There were two peoples, one laughed, one lamented. And in and out of the houses, marked with the splashes of blood, women were ever going with empty hands, or coming with hands full of jewels, of gold, of silver rings, of cups and purple stuffs. Empty they went out, laden they came in, dark men and women with keen black eyes and the features of birds of prey. They went, they came, they clamored with delight among the mourning of the men and women of Kim, and none laid a hand on them, none refused them. One tall fellow snatched at the staff of Ray. Lend me thy staff, old man, he said, sneering. Lend me thy jeweled staff for my journey. I do but borrow it. When Yakub comes from the desert, thou shalt have it again. But the wanderer turned on the fellow with such a glance that he fell back. I have seen thee before, he said, and he laughed over his shoulder as he went. I saw thee last night at the feast, and heard thy great bow sing. Thou art not of the folk of Kim. They are a gentlefolk, and Yakub wins favor in their sight. What passes now in this haunted land of thine, old man? said the wanderer, for of all the sights that I have seen, this is the strangest. None lifts a hand to save his goods from the thief. Ray the priest groaned aloud. Evil days have come upon Kim, he said. The Apura spoil the people of Kim, ere they fly into the wilderness. Even as he spoke, there came a great lady weeping for her husband was dead, and her son and her brother all were gone in the breath of the pestilence. She was of the royal house, and richly decked with golden jewels, and the slaves who fanned her, as she went to the temple of Ptah to worship, wore gold chains upon their necks. Two women of the Apura saw her and ran to her, crying, Lend to us those golden ornaments thou wearest. Then, Without a word, she took her gold bracelets and chains and rings and let them all fall in a heap at her feet. The women of the Apura took them all and mocked her, crying, Where now is thy husband and thy son and thy brother, thou who art of Pharaoh's house? Now thou payest us for the labor of our hands and for the bricks that we made without straw gathering leaves and rushes in the sun. Now thou payest for the stick in the hand of the overseers. Where now is thy husband and thy son and thy brother? And they went still mocking and left the lady weeping. But of all sights, the wanderer held this strangest, and many such there were to see. At first, 
he would have taken back the spoil and given it to those who wore it but ray the priest prayed him to forbear lest the curse should strike them also so they pressed on and through the tumult ever seeing new sights of greed and death and sorrow here a mother wept over her babe here a bride over her husband that night the groom of her and of death here the fierce-faced apura clamoring like gulls tore the silver trinkets from the children of those of the baser sort or the sacred amulets from the mummies of those who were laid out for burial and here a water carrier wailed over the carcass of the ass that won him his livelihood at length passing through the crowd they came to a temple that stood near to the temple of the god Ptah. the pylons of this temple faced towards the houses of the city but the inner courts were built against the walls of tanis and looked out across the face of the water though not one of the largest temples it was very strong and beautiful in its shape it was built of the black stone of syene and all the polished face of the stone was graven with images of the holy hathor here she wore a cow's head and here the face of a woman but she always bore in her hands the lotus-headed staff and the holy token of life and her neck was encircled with the collar of the gods here dwells that strange hathor to whom thou didst drink last night eparatus said ray the priest it was a wild pledge to drink before the queen who swears that she brings these woes on kim though indeed she is guiltless of this with all the blood on her beautiful head the impure and their apostate sorcerer whom we ourselves instructed bring the plagues on us does the hathor manifest herself this day asked the wanderer that we will ask of the priest imperatus follow thou me now they passed down the avenue of sphinxes within the wall of brick into the garden plot of the goddess and so on through the gates of the outer tower a priest who watched there threw them wide at the sign that was given of ray the master builder the beloved of pharaoh and they came to the outer court before the second tower they halted and ray showed to the wanderer that place upon the pylon roof where the hathor was wont to stand and sing till the hearers hearts were melted like wax here they knocked once more and were admitted to the hall of assembly where the priests were gathered throwing dust upon their heads and mourning those among them who had died with the firstborn when they saw ray the instructed the prophet of amen and the wanderer clad in golden armor who was with him they ceased from their mourning and an ancient priest of their number came forward and greeting ray asked him of his errand then ray took the wanderer by the hand and made him known to the priest and told him of those deeds that he had done and how he had saved the life of pharaoh and of those of the royal house who sat at the feast with pharaoh but when will the lady hathor sing upon her tower top said ray for the stranger desires to see her and hear her 
The temple priest bowed before the wanderer and answered gravely. On the third morn from now the holy Hathor shows herself upon the temple's top, he said, but thou, mighty lord, who art risen from the sea, hearken to my warning, and if indeed thou art no god, dare not to look upon her beauty. If thou dost look, then thy fate shall be as the fate of those who have looked before, and I have loved and have died for the sake of the Hathor. No god am I, said the wanderer, laughing. Yet, perchance, I shall dare to look, and dare to face whatever it be that guards her, if my heart bids me see her nearer. Then there shall be an end of thee and thy wandering, said the priest. Now follow me, and I will show thee those men who last sought to win the Hathor. He took him by the hand and led him through passages hewn in the walls, until they came to a deep and gloomy cell, where the golden armor of the wanderer shone like a lamp at eve. The cell was built against the city wall, and scarcely a thread of light came into the chink between roof and wall. All about the chamber were baths fashioned of bronze, and in the baths lay dusky shapes of dark-skinned men of Egypt. There they lay, and in the faint light their limbs were being anointed by some sad-faced attendants, as folk were anointed by merry girls in the shining baths of the wanderer's home. When Ray and Apparatus came near, the sad-faced bathmen shrank away in shame, as dogs shrink from their evil meat, at night when a traveler goes past. Marveling at the strange sight, the bathers and the bathe the wanderer looked more closely, and his stout heart sank within him, for all these were dead who lay in the baths of bronze, and it was not water that flowed about their limbs, but evil-smelling natron. Here lie those, said the priest, who last strove to come near the holy Hathor, and to pass into the shrine of the temple where night and day she sits and sings and weaves with her golden shuttle. Here they lie, the half of a score. One by one they rushed to embrace her, and one by one they were smitten down. Here they are being attired for the tomb, for we give them all rich burial. Truly, quoth the wanderer, I left the world of light behind me when I looked on the blood-red sea and sailed into the black gloom all pharaohs. More evil sights have I seen in this haunted land than in all the cities where I have wandered, than on all the seas that I have sailed. Then be warned, said the priest, for if thou dost follow where they went and desire what they desired, thou too shalt lie in yonder bath and be washed of yonder waters, for whatever be false, this is true that he who seeks love oft-times finds doom, but here he finds him most speedily. The wanderer looked again at the dead and at their ministers, and he shuddered till his harness rattled. He feared not the face of death in war or on the sea, but this was a new thing. Little he loved the sight of the brazen baths and those who lay there. 
the light of the sun and the breath of air seemed good to him and he stepped quickly from the chamber while the priest smiled to himself but when he reached the outer air his heart came back to him and he began to ask again about the hathor where she dwelt and what it was that slew her lovers i will show thee answered the priest and brought him through the hall of assembly to a certain narrow way that led to a court in the center of the court stood the holy shrine of the hathor it was a great chamber built of alabaster lighted from the roof alone and shut in with brazen doors before which hung curtains of tyrian web from the roof of the shrine a stairway ran overhead to the roof of the temple and so to the inner pylon tower yonder stranger the holy goddess dwells within the alabaster shrine said the priest by that stair she passes to the temple roof and thence to the pylon top thereby the curtains once in every day we place food and it is drawn into the sanctuary how we know not for none of us have set foot there nor seen the hathor face to face now when the goddess has stood upon the pylon and sung to the multitude below she passes back to the shrine then the brazen outer doors of the temple court are thrown wide and the doomed rush on madly one by one towards the drawn curtains before they pass the curtains they are thrust back yet they strive to pass then we hear a sound of the clashing of weapons and the men fall dead without a word or the song of the hathor swells from within and who are her swordsmen said the wanderer that we know not stranger no man has lived to tell come draw near to the door of the shrine and hearken maybe thou wilt hear the hathor singing have no fear thou needst not approach the guarded space then the wanderer drew near with a doubting heart but ray the priest stood afar off though the temple priests came close enough at the curtains they stopped and listened then from within the shrine there came a sound of singing wild and sweet and shrill and the voice of it stirred the wanderer strangely bringing to his mind memories of that ithaca of which he was lord and which he should see no more of the happy days of youth and of the god-built walls of windy ilios but he could not have told why he thought on these things nor why his heart was thus strangely stirred within him hearken the hathor sings as she weaves the doom of men said the priest and as he spoke the singing ended then the wanderer took counsel with himself whether he should then and there burst the doors and take his fortune or whether he should forbear for that while but in the end he determined to forbear and see with his own eyes what befell those who strove to win the way so he drew back wondering much and bidding farewell to the aged priest he went with ray the master builder through the town of tanis where the imperial was still spoiling the people of kim and he came to the palace where he was lodged here he turned over in his mind how he might see the strange woman of that temple 
and yet escaped the baths of bronze. There he sat and thought till at length the night drew on, and one came to summon him to sup with Pharaoh in the hall. Then he rose up and went, and meeting Pharaoh and Mariamun, the queen, in the outer chamber, passed in after them to the hall, and on to the dais which he had held against the rabble, for the place was clear of dead, and, save for certain stains upon the marble floor that might not be washed away, and for some few arrows that yet were fixed high up in the walls or in the lofty roof, there was nothing to tell of that great fray that had been fought but one day gone. Heavy was the face of Pharaoh, and the few who sat with them were sad enough because of the death of so many whom they loved, and the shame and sorrow that had fallen upon Kim. But there were no tears for her one child in the eyes of Miriam, the queen. Anger, not grief, tore her heart because Pharaoh had let the Apura go. Forever as they sat at the sad feast, there came a sound of the tramping feet of armies and of lowing cattle and songs of triumph, sung by ten thousand voices, and thus they sang the song of the Apura. A lamp for our feet the Lord hath litten, signs hath he shown in the land of Kim, the kings of the nations our Lord hath smitten, his shoe hath he cast o'er the gods of them. He hath made him a mock of the heifer of Isis. He hath broken the chariot reins of Ra. On Yakub he cries, and his folk arises, and the knees of the nation are loosed in awe. He gives us their goods for a spoil to gather, jewels of silver and vessels of gold. For Yahweh of old is our friend and father, and cherisheth Yakub he chose of old. The gods of the peoples our Lord hath chidden, their courts hath he filled with his creeping things. The light of the face of the sun he hath hidden, and broken the scourge in the hands of kings. He hath chastened his people with stripes and scourges. Our backs hath he burdened with grievous weights. But his children shall rise as a sea that surges, and flood the fields of the men he hates. The kings of the nations our Lord hath smitten, his shoe hath he cast o'er the gods of them. But a lamp for our feet the Lord hath litten. Wonders hath he wrought in the land of Kim. Thus they sang, and the singing was so wild that the wanderer craved leave to go and stand at the palace gate, lest the Apura should rush in and spoil the treasure chamber. The king nodded, but Mariamun rose and went with the wanderer as he took his bow and passed to the great gates. There they stood in the shadow of the gates, and this is what they beheld. A great light of many torches was flaring along the roadway in front. Then came a body of men, rudely armed with pikes, and the torchlight shone on the glitter of bronze and on the gold helms of which they had spoiled the soldiers of Kemp. 
Next came a troop of wild women dancing and beating timbrels and singing the triumphant hymn of scorn. Next, with a space between, tramped eight strong black-bearded men bearing on their shoulders a great gilded coffin covered with carven and painted signs. It is the body of their prophet who brought them hither out of their land of hunger, whispered Mariam. Slaves, ye shall hunger yet in the wilderness and clamor for the flesh pots of Kim. Then she cried in a loud voice, for her passion overcame her, and she prophesied to those who bear the coffin. Not one soul of you that lives shall see the land where your conjurer is leading you. Ye shall thirst, ye shall hunger, ye shall call on the gods of Kim, and they shall not hear you. Ye shall die, and your bones shall whiten the wilderness. Farewell, set go with you, farewell. So she cried and pointed down the way, and so fierce was her gaze, and so awful were her words, that the people of the Apura trembled, and the women ceased to sing. The wanderer watched the queen and marveled. Never had woman such a hearty heart, he mused, and it were ill to cross her in love or war. They will sing no more at my gates, murmured Mariam with a smile. Come, wanderer, they await us. And she gave him her hand that he might lead her. So they went back to the banquet hall. They hearkened as they sat till far in the night. And still the appeal passed, countless as the sands of the sea. At length all were gone, and the sound of their feet died away in the distance. Then Mariamun, the queen, turned to Pharaoh and spake bitterly. Thou art a coward, Meneptah, I a coward and a slave at heart. In thy fear of the curse that the false Hathor hath laid on us, she whom thou dost worship, to thy shame, thou hast let these slaves go. Otherwise had our father dealt with them. Great Ramses, Miamun, the hammer of the Kita. Now they are gone, hissing curses on the land that bear them, and robbing those who nursed them up, while they were yet a little people, as a mother nurses her child. What then might I do? said Pharaoh. There is naught to do, all is done, answered Mariamun. What is thy counsel, wanderer? It is ill for a stranger to offer counsel, said the wanderer. Nay, speak cried the queen. I know not the gods of this land, he answered. If these people be favored of the gods, I say, sit still. But if not, then said the wanderer, wise in war, let Pharaoh gather his host, follow after the people, take them unawares, and smite them utterly. It is no hard task. They are so mixed, a multitude encumbered with much baggage. This was to speak as the queen loved to hear. Now she clapped her hands and cried, Listen, listen to good counsel, Pharaoh. And now that the Apura were gone, his fear of them went also, and as he drank wine, Pharaoh grew bold, till at last he sprang to his feet and swore by Amen, by Osiris, by Ptah, 
and by his father great Ramses, that he would follow after the Apura and smite them. And instantly he sent forth messengers to summon the captains of his host in the hall of assembly. Thither the captains came, and their plans were made, and messengers hurried forth to the governors of other great cities, bidding them send troops to join the host of Pharaoh on its march. Now Pharaoh turned to the wanderer and said, Thou hast not yet answered my message that Ray carried to thee this morning. Wilt thou take service with me and be a captain in this war? The wanderer little liked the name of service, but his warlike heart was stirred within him, for he loved the delight of battle. But before he could answer yea or nay, Mariam and the queen, who was not minded that he should leave her, spoke hastily. This is my counsel, Meneptah, that the Lord of Peritus should abide here in Tanis and be the captain of my guard, while thou art gone to smite the Apura, for I may not be here unguarded in these troublous times. And if I know he watches over me, he who is so mighty a man, then I shall walk safely and sleep in peace. Now the wanderer bethought him of his desire to look upon the Hathor, for to see new things and try new adventures was always his delight. So he answered that if it were pleasing to Pharaoh and the queen, he would willingly stay and command the guard. And Pharaoh said that it should be so. End of Book 2, Chapter 3 Recording by Marcel Ward, TheSoulExpanse.com